Chapters 51 through 60 of Against Celsus by Origen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Now, the scripture speaks respecting the place of the Savior's birth, that the ruler was to come forth from Bethlehem in the following manner, quote, And thou, Bethlehem, house of Ephrata, art not the least among the thousands of Judah, for out of thee shall he come forth unto me, who is to be ruler in Israel, and his goings forth have been of old from everlasting. End quote. Now this prophecy could not suit any one of those who, as Celsus's Jew says, were fanatics and mob leaders, and who gave out that they had come from heaven, unless it were clearly shown that he had been born in Bethlehem, or, as another might say, had come forth from Bethlehem to be the leader of the people. With respect to the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, if anyone desires, after the prophecy of Micah and after the history recorded in the Gospels by the disciples of Jesus to have additional evidence from other sources, let him know that, in conformity with the narrative in the Gospel regarding his birth, there is shown at Bethlehem the cave where he was born, and the manger in the cave where he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And this sight is greatly talked of in surrounding places, even among the enemies of the faith, it being said that in this cave was born that Jesus who is worshipped and reverenced by the Christians. Moreover, I am of opinion that, before the advent of Christ, the chief priests and scribes of the people, on account of the distinctness and clearness of this prophecy, taught that in Bethlehem the Christ was to be born. And this opinion had prevailed also extensively among the Jews, for which reason it is related that Herod, on inquiring at the chief priests and scribes of the people, heard from them that the Christ was to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, quote, whence David was, end quote. It is stated also in the Gospel according to John that the Jews declared that the Christ was to be born in Bethlehem, quote, whence David was, end quote. But after our Lord's coming, those who busied themselves with overthrowing the belief that the place of his birth had been the subject of prophecy from the beginning, withheld such teaching from the people, acting in a similar manner to those individuals who won over those soldiers of the guard stationed around the tomb who had seen him arise from the dead, and who instructed these eyewitnesses to report as follows, quote, Say that his disciples, while we slept, came and stole him away, and if this come to the governor's ears, we shall persuade him and secure you. End quote. Strife and prejudice are powerful instruments in leading men to disregard even those things which are abundantly clear, so that they who have somehow become familiar with certain opinions which have deeply imbued their minds and stamped them with a certain character will not give them up. For a man will abandon his habits in respect to other things, although it may be difficult for him to tear himself from them, more easily than he will surrender his opinions. Nay, even the former are not easily put aside by those who have become accustomed to them, and so neither houses, nor cities, nor villages, nor intimate acquaintances are willingly forsaken when we are prejudiced in their favor. This, therefore, was a reason why many of the Jews at that time disregarded the clear testimony of the prophecies and miracles which Jesus wrought, and of the sufferings which he is related to have endured. And that human nature is thus affected 
will be manifest to those who observe that those who have once been prejudiced in favor of the most contemptible and paltry traditions of their ancestors and fellow-citizens with difficulty lay them aside for example no one could easily persuade an egyptian to despise what he had learned from his fathers so as no longer to consider this or that irrational animal as a god or not to guard against eating even under penalty of death of the flesh of such an animal now if in carrying our examination of this subject to a considerable length we have enumerated the points respecting bethlehem and the prophecy regarding it we consider that we were obliged to do this by way of defense against those who would assert that if the prophecies current among the jews regarding jesus were so clear as we represent them why did they not at his coming give in their adhesion to his doctrine and betake themselves to the better life pointed out by him let no one however bring such a reproach against believers since he may see that reasons of no light weight are assigned by those who have learned to state them for their faith in jesus and if we should ask for a second prophecy which may appear to us to have a clear reference to jesus we would quote that which was written by moses very many years before the advent of christ when he makes jacob on his departure from this life to have uttered predictions regarding each of his sons and to have said of judah along with the others quote, the ruler will not fail from judah and the governor from his loins until that which is reserved for him come End quote. now any one meeting with this prophecy which is in reality much older than moses so that one who is not a believer might suspect that it was not written by him would be surprised that moses should be able to predict that the princes of the jews seeing there are among them twelve tribes should be born of the tribe of judah and should be the rulers of the people for which reason also the whole nation are called jews deriving their name from the ruling tribe and in the second place one who candidly considers the prophecy would be surprised how after declaring that the rulers and governors of the people were to proceed from the tribe of judah he should determine also the limit of their rule saying that quote, the ruler should not fail from judah nor the governor from his loins until there should come that which was reserved for him and that he is the expectation of the gentiles End quote. for he came for whom these things were reserved viz the christ of god the ruler of the promises of god and manifestly he is the only one among those who preceded and i might make bold to say among those also who followed him who was the expectation of the gentiles for converts from among all the gentile nations have believed on god through him and that in conformity with the prediction of isaiah that in his name the gentiles had hoped Quote, in thy name shall the gentiles hope End quote. and this man said also to those who are in prison as every man is a captive to the chains of his sins quote, come forth End quote. and to the ignorant quote, come into the light End quote. these things also having been thus foretold quote, i have given thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause to inherit the desolate heritage saying to the prisoners go forth and to them that are in darkness show yourselves End quote. 
and we may see at the appearing of this man by means of those who everywhere throughout the world have reposed a simple faith in him the fulfillment of this prediction quote, they shall feed in the ways and their pastures shall be in all the beaten tracks end quote. and since celsus although professing to know all about the gospel reproaches the saviour because of his sufferings saying that he received no assistance from the father or was unable to aid himself we have to state that his sufferings were the subject of prophecy along with the cause of them because it was for the benefit of mankind that he should die on their account and should suffer stripes because of his condemnation it was predicted moreover that some from among the gentiles would come to the knowledge of him among whom the prophets are not included and it had been declared that he would be seen in a form which is deemed dishonorable among men the words of prophecy run thus quote, lo my servant shall have understanding and shall be exalted and glorified and raised exceedingly high in like manner many shall be astonished at thee so thy form shall be in no reputation among men and thy glory among the sons of men lo many nations shall marvel because of him and kings shall close their mouths because they to whom no message about him was sent shall see him and they who have not heard of him shall have knowledge of him End quote. Quote, lord who hath believed our report and to whom was the arm of the lord revealed we have reported as a child before him as a root in a thirsty ground he has no form nor glory and we beheld him and he had not any form nor beauty but his appearance was without honour and deficient more than that of all men he was a man under suffering and who knew how to bear sickness because his countenance was averted he was treated with disrespect and was made of no account this man bears our sins and suffers pain on our behalf and we regarded him as in trouble and in suffering and as ill-treated but he was wounded for our sins and bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him by his stripes we were healed we all like sheep wandered from the way a man wandered in his way and the lord delivered him on account of our sins and he because of his evil treatment opens not his mouth as a sheep was he led to slaughter and as a lamb before her shearer is dumb so he opens not his mouth in his humiliation his judgment was taken away and who shall describe his generation because his life is taken away from the earth because of the iniquities of my people was he led unto death now i remember that on one occasion at a disputation held with certain jews who were reckoned wise men i quoted these prophecies to which my jewish opponent replied that these predictions bore reference to the whole people regarded as one individual and as being in a state of dispersion and suffering in order that many proselytes might be gained on account of the dispersion of the jews among numerous heathen nations and in this way he explained the words quote, thy form shall be of no reputation among men end quote. and then quote, they to whom no message was sent respecting him shall see end quote. and the expression quote, a man under suffering end quote. many arguments were employed on that occasion during the discussion to prove that these predictions regarding one particular person were not rightly applied by them to the whole nation and i asked to what character the expression would be appropriate quote, this man bears our sins and suffers pain on our behalf 
end quote, and this, quote, but he was wounded for our sins and bruised for our iniquities, end quote, and to whom the expression properly belonged, quote, by his stripes we were healed, end quote, for it is manifest that it is they who had been sinners and had been healed by the Savior's sufferings, whether belonging to the Jewish nation or converts from the Gentiles, who used such language in the writings of the prophet who foresaw these events and who, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, applied these words to a person. But we seemed to press them hardest with the expression, quote, because of the iniquities of my people was he led away unto death, end quote. For if the people, according to them, are the subject of the prophecy, how is the man said to be led away to death because of the iniquities of the people of God, unless he be a different person from the people of God? And who is this person save Jesus Christ, by whose stripes they who believe on him are healed, when, quote, he had spoiled the principalities and powers that were over us, and had made a show of them openly on his cross, end quote. At another time, we may explain the several parts of the prophecy, leaving none of them unexamined. But these matters have been treated at greater length necessarily, as I think, on account of the language of the Jew as quoted in the works of Celsus. Now it escaped the notice of Celsus and of the Jew whom he has introduced, and of all who are not believers in Jesus, that the prophecies speak of two advents of Christ, the former characterized by human suffering and humility, in order that Christ, being with men, might make known the way that leads to God, and might leave no man in this life a ground of excuse in saying that he knew not of the judgment to come, and the latter, distinguished only by the glory and divinity, having no element of human infirmity intermingled with its divine greatness. To quote the prophecies at length would be tedious, and I deem it sufficient for the present to quote a part of the 45th Psalm, which has this inscription in addition to others, quote, a psalm for the beloved, end quote, where God is evidently addressed in these words, quote, grace is poured into thy lips, therefore God will bless thee for ever and ever, gird thy sword on thy thigh, O mighty one, and thy beauty and thy majesty, and stretch forth and ride prosperously, and reign because of thy truth and meekness and righteousness, and thy right hand shall lead thee marvelously, Thine arrows are pointed, O mighty one, the people will fall under thee in the heart of the enemies of the king, End quote. But attend carefully to what follows, where he is called God, quote, For thy throne, O God, is for ever and ever, a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows, End quote and observe that the prophet, speaking familiarly to God, whose, quote, throne is forever and ever, end quote, and, quote, a scepter of righteousness, the scepter of his kingdom, end quote, says that this God has been anointed by a God who was his God, and anointed because more than his fellows he had loved righteousness and hated iniquity. And I remember that I pressed the Jew, who was deemed a learned man, very hard with this passage, and he, being perplexed about it, gave such an answer as was in keeping with his Judaistic views, saying that the words, quote, Thy throne, O God, is for ever and ever, a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom, end quote, are spoken of the God of all things, and these, quote, 
Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, therefore thy God hath anointed thee, end quote, etc., refer to the Messiah. The Jew, moreover, in the treatise, addresses the Savior thus, quote, If you say that every man, born according to the decree of divine providence, is a son of God, in what respect should you differ from another? End quote. In reply to whom we say that every man who, as Paul expresses it, is no longer under fear as a schoolmaster, but who chooses good for its own sake, is, quote, a son of God, end quote. But this man is distinguished far and wide above every man who is called, on account of his virtues, a son of God, seeing he is, as it were, a kind of source and beginning of all such. The words of Paul are as follow, quote, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, end quote. But according to the Jew of Celsus, quote, countless individuals will convict Jesus of falsehood, alleging that those predictions which were spoken of him were intended of them, end quote. We are not aware, indeed, whether Celsus knew of any who, after coming into this world and having desired to act as Jesus did, declared themselves to be also the sons of God or the power of God. But since it is in the spirit of truth that we examine each passage, we shall mention that there was a certain Theudas among the Jews before the birth of Christ who gave himself out as some great one, after whose death his deluded followers were completely dispersed. And after him, in the days of the census, when Jesus appears to have been born, one Judas, a Galilean, gathered around him many of the Jewish people, saying he was a wise man and a teacher of certain new doctrines. And when he also had paid the penalty of his rebellion, his doctrine was overturned, having taken hold of very few persons indeed, and these of the very humblest condition. And after the times of Jesus, Dositheus, the Samaritan, also wished to persuade the Samaritans that he was the Christ predicted by Moses, and he appears to have gained over some to his views. But it is not absurd, in quoting the extremely wise observation of that Gamaliel named in the book of Acts, to show how those persons above mentioned were strangers to the promise, being neither sons of God nor powers of God, whereas Christ Jesus was truly the Son of God. Now Gamaliel, in the passage referred to, said, quote, If this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught, end quote, as also did the designs of those men already mentioned after their death. Quote, but if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow this doctrine, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. End quote. There was also Simon the Samaritan magician, who wished to draw away certain by his magical arts, and on that occasion he was successful. But nowadays it is impossible to find, I suppose, thirty of his followers in the entire world, and probably I have even overstated the number. There are exceedingly few in Palestine, while in the rest of the world, through which he desired to spread the glory of his name, you find it nowhere mentioned." and where it is found, it is quoted from the Acts of the Apostles, so that it is the Christians that he owes this mention of himself, the unmistakable result, having proved that Simon was in no respect divine. After these matters, this Jew of Celsus, instead of the Magi mentioned in the Gospel, say that, quote, Chaldeans are spoken of by Jesus as having been induced to come to him at his birth 
and to worship him while yet an infant as a god, and to have made this known to Herod the Tetrarch, and that the latter sent and slew all the infants that had been born about the same time, thinking that in this way he would ensure his death among the others, and that he was led to do this through fear that, if Jesus lived to a sufficient age, he would obtain the throne. End quote. See now, in this instance, the blunder of one who cannot distinguish between Magi and Chaldeans, nor perceive that what they profess is different, and so has falsified the gospel narrative. I know not, moreover, why he has passed by in silence the cause which led the Magi to come, and why he has not stated, according to the scriptural account, that it was a star seen by them in the east. Let us see now what answer we have to make to those statements. The star that was seen in the east we consider to have been a new star, unlike any of the other well-known planetary bodies, either those in the firmament above or those among the lower orbs, but partaking of the nature of those celestial bodies which appear at times, such as comets, or those meteors which resemble beams of wood, or beards, or wine jars, or any of those other names by which the Greeks are accustomed to describe their varying appearances, and we establish our position in the following manner. It has been observed that, on the occurrence of great events and of mighty changes in terrestrial things, such stars are wont to appear, indicating either the removal of dynasties, or the breaking out of wars, or the happening of such circumstances as may cause commotions upon the earth. But we have read in the treatise on comets by Caramon the Stoic that on some occasions also, when good was to happen, comets made their appearance, and he gives an account of such instances. If, then, at the commencement of new dynasties, or on the occasion of other important events, there arises a comet so called, or any similar celestial body, why should it be matter of wonder that at the birth of him who was to introduce a new doctrine to the human race, and to make known his teaching not only to Jews but also to Greeks, and to many of the barbarous nations besides, a star should have arisen? Now I would say that with respect to comets there is no prophecy in circulation to the effect that such and such a comet was to arise in connection with a particular kingdom or a particular time, but with respect to the appearance of a star at the birth of Jesus there is a prophecy of Balaam recorded by Moses to this effect, quote, There shall arise a star out of Jacob, and a man shall rise up out of Israel, end quote. And now, if it shall be deemed necessary to examine the narrative about the Magi and the appearance of the star at the birth of Jesus, the following is what we have to say, partly in answer to the Greeks and partly to the Jews. To the Greeks, then, I have to say that the Magi, being on familiar terms with evil spirits and invoking them for such purposes as their knowledge and wishes extend to, bring about such results only as do not appear to exceed the superhuman power and strength of the evil spirits and of the spells which invoke them to accomplish. But should some greater manifestation of divinity be made, then the powers of the evil spirits are overthrown, being unable to resist the light of divinity. It is probable, therefore, that since at the birth of Jesus, quote, a multitude of the heavenly host, End quote, as Luke accords, and as I believe, quote, praised God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will towards men. End quote. 
the evil spirits on that account became feeble and lost their strength the falsity of their sorcery being manifested and their power being broken this overthrow being brought about not only by the angels having visited the terrestrial regions on account of the birth of jesus but also by the power of jesus himself and his innate divinity the magi accordingly wishing to produce the customary results which formerly they used to perform by means of certain spells and sorceries conjecturing the cause to be a great one and beholding a divine sign in the heaven they desired to learn its signification i am therefore of opinion that possessing as they did the prophecies of balaam which moses also records inasmuch as balaam was celebrated for such predictions and finding among them the prophecy about the star and the words quote, i shall show him to him but not now i deem him happy although he will not be near End quote. they conjectured that the man whose appearance had been foretold along with that of the star had actually come into the world and having predetermined that he was superior in power to all demons and to all common appearances and powers they resolved to offer him homage they came accordingly to judea persuaded that some king had been born but not knowing over what kingdom he was to reign and being ignorant also of the place of his birth bringing gifts which they offered to him as one whose nature partook if i may so speak both of god and of a mortal man gold viz as to a king myrrh as to one who was mortal and incense as to a god and they brought these offerings after they had learned the place of his birth but since he was a god the saviour of the human race raised far above all those angels which ministered to men an angel rewarded the piety of the magi for their worship of him by making known to them that they were not to go back to herod but to return to their own homes by another way End of chapters fifty one through sixty of against celsus by origin read by david ronald